Amen. Thank you. Well, thank you. I needed to hear that today. Thank you. You have no idea. Praise God. Great. Then I'll just hang around for a while. <laughs> Experience Youth Rally is coming up when? March 23rd at the high school at 6 p.m. Then Corey will be here. Evangelist Corey Ball will be here on that Sunday morning at 1030. There, there he is. Ain't he cute? But anyway, he will be with us. So we uh, are looking forward to that. If you will, stand with us. We're going to worship the Lord today. Amen. Good to see all of our regular folks and, and our guests that are here today. I see Miss Jamie back there. She's not a guest. She's, she's an old-timer. Good to have you, Jamie. Amen. And you know you're at home, so you just do what you do at home. Amen. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to praise and worship you today. I thank you for everyone that's gathered here, God. Thank you for these sheep, God, that you have put us over. God, let us watch over them like a good shepherd. And Lord, I pray that you would touch David as he ministers the word today. Touch this praise and worship team, everything that they say and do. Lord, we want it for your glory and your glory alone. Father, we're not here to be seen. We're here to let you be seen. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody at Harvest Worship Center said, Amen. And if you're joining us on Streamline, we welcome you this morning. So we're in your worship at your home or wherever you're at. And worship and receive from the word. Let everything, Let everything that has read, that has read, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything, let everything that has read, that has read, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise you in the valley, you on the
you sovereign. Praise calls you reign. Praise calls you rose and defeated the grave. Our praise calls you faithful. Praise calls you true. Praise calls there's nobody greater than you. Praise calls you sovereign. Praise calls you reign. Praise calls you rose and defeated the grave. Our praise calls you faithful. Praise calls you reign. Praise calls there's nobody greater than you. Greater than 
enemies scared of Cause they know the battle is done Oh, cause my God is stronger The victory is already
still believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. I believe you're working all things for good. I fix my eyes on heaven. God, I receive your vision. God, I believe you're working all things for good. I still believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. God, I believe you're working all things for good. I fix my eyes on heaven. God, I receive your vision. God, I believe you're working all things for good. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is the house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything to the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the Just the mention of your name can raise the dead. Oh, 
We've seen cancer disappear. We've seen broken bodies healed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen real life resurrection. We've seen mental illness restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen families reunited.
Amen. Amen. I don't normally put people on the spot, but Jason, I want you to come here a minute. Yeah. You know, God's a good God, isn't he, Jason? Yeah. Would you share just a brief something about what God's done for you this past week? A lot of us have been praying for you that you didn't even know we're praying for you. Amen. You can talk. I'll hold the mic for you. If you cry, that's okay. That's just part of the testimony. Yeah, amen. Amen. Give him a hand clap. Give Jesus a hand clap. Glory. Over the course of approximately two weeks, I went to the hospital, and um, they did a CAT scan for something, and and um, kind of like the doctor put it, my um, pancreas kind of photobombed the the image. And if you don't know, my mom, she died with pancreatic cancer. So I went to a doctor just recently, just on Thursday. And as he stands right now, they seem to think that everything is going to be fine, that they're just looking at it, and they just want to get a baseline and just make sure that everything is normal. So we're just believing that God's doing this, and I already know that he is. So, But that's where I stand right now, I guess. I stand in his grace. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Testimonies make us strong. Amen. Jason, you're standing in a house of miracles. Amen. That's right. I saw him over there worshiping, and I said, he's just got to share. Yes. (laughs) But thank you. Thank you for that. And I I really, I don't put people on the spot, so don't get scared, and I'm going to call you out. I know who I can and who I can't. And Jason's my brother, so he, he puts up with me. He lets me get by with that stuff. You know, and his sister has fought kind of a similar battle, and she's getting good reports too. So, Terry. So, praise Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. The devil is a liar. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Mm. All right. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Love good reports. Sheree Wood had texted and want to know she sends out a little thing, says, well, are there any announcements? And I loved yesterday. We started responding. I said, yeah, there's an announcement. Jesus is coming soon. Yes, And then another is. person chimed in and said, yes, there's an announcement. The prodigals are coming home. So, amen. And I, amen. And I just, I loved it. So, amen. That's our announcements today. Thank you, Lord. And families are being restored. Yes, they are. Cancer is being dissolved. Yes, they are. Hallelujah. Amen. And salvations are coming. That's right. Amen. That's right. Those that have never known Jesus, yes. boy, I want to get some of that fresh blood. Those that have never known, known him before. Jesus. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to give. Yes, we Lord. thank you that, that this church knows how to give. They know how to plant. They know how to expect a harvest. And they see the fruits of their labors. And yes, I thank Lord. you for that, Father. I thank you for this, this sheepfold. I thank you for, for those sweet hearts that you thank have you, put Jesus. under our care. Oh, God, they're Thank precious. You, Every one of them has a story. Every one of them has a testimony in this building. And God, just keep growing that testimony. And yes, God, may Lord. one day we, we just fall over each other to grab the mic to tell how good God's been. Mm. May it be a testimony like amen. we just can't quit giving them, God, because yes, you're so, so good. Thank and everybody you, said amen. 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 Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. Let's go ahead and stand together this morning. Good to see you in God's house. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say God is good. God is good. Amen. I know that uh, uh, Cherie and Larry were in the emergency room this morning, and they wanted us to pray for them, and so I'm letting you know this because we have been praying for them and uh, with her foot. And so let's, let's re, you know, remember her in your prayers and ask God to touch her. We send out that healing word today in the name of the Lord Jesus and little Bella, you know, who's sick. Let's remember her and others that need a healing touch in Jesus' name. Plead the blood of Jesus over yourself. Plead the blood. Every day, when you feel good and when you don't feel good, plead the blood. Somebody say the life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. Okay, let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 14. This uh, uh, message this morning, I'm, you know, I'm wanting to get into this, and, and I believe it is timely. Uh, I believe it will help you. I believe it will challenge you. I believe that it will encourage you and strengthen you at the same time. And uh, everybody say double portion. We're going to talk about the double portion, double portion. And so there are many scriptures here, but we're going to look at just this one today in light of our time. And the Bible says, And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, smote the waters, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Wow. Let's read it again. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. Now you have to remember Elijah has just been taken into heaven by a whirlwind, horses and chariots of fire. That'd be a way to go. Amen. If I'm going to die, God, let it be that way. I just pray God swoop down and get me. I'd love to be right here. And you could say, my God, did you see that? It'd be like, I'd be out of here. Amen. Horses and chariots of fire. Hey, if he did it for him, I, I got to believe he'd do it for me. Amen. So he's caught up, the Bible said. And he took the mantle. So Elijah is casting down his outer garment, his mantle that he wore. It fell from him, and he picked it up. He smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. That means he went over on dry ground Amen. through the parted Jordan River. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask you in the name of the Lord Jesus to touch our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, bring all things to my remembrance. Lord, we ask you right now, Lord, let there be miracles in the atmosphere. Let your people be moved and stirred in faith. Father, we pray today that there will be an incessant hunger, God, to see the supernatural. And, Lord, we just believe right now for the bigger, the greater, the mightier, the stronger acts of God. 
And Holy Spirit, we just pray that you come speak to me, through me, and for me. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, Lord. And it came to pass when Jehovah would take up Elijah by a whirlwind into heaven that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. So there's a lot to unwrap in this story when we look at it today. It speaks volumes to us as God's people, especially in this day and in this hour. And I believe that it's relative right now to every aspect of life and culture. And that's good to understand because I want you to understand that what God is after is to change culture. God wants to change things in our nation. Somebody say amen. See, I understand that God has always wanted to do more for every generation. That's why we have up on the side of our building a church for this generation. We're not trying to live in yesteryear, not trying to live in the past, trying to, what we're trying to do is be focused on the God of now. Everybody say the God of right now, right now. So God wants more for every generation, more miracles, more power, more manifestation of his presence. He doesn't want us to simply read about miracles, but to see them ourselves. How many want to see a miracle? See, it's not enough for me to see one. You need to see one. Somebody say, I need to see one. I need to see one. We think about miracles. They're talking about things like Red Seas parting, the pillar of a fire by night, a pillar of a cloud by day, the burning bush that appears to Moses and the angel speaks out of it, the walls of Jericho, Jericho collapsing when the children of Israel shouted at the sound of the trumpet of God. David facing Goliath. We think about the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace or Daniel in the lion's den or we look at the life of Jesus and see the blind see, the deaf hear, the dumb speak, the lame walk, demons being cast out. We think about Jesus' life and his ministry, his miracles, the apostle Paul and Peter and James and John and all those disciples that followed him saw mighty miracles in their lives. God used them. And so God wants us to experience these on a greater scale. Hebrews 13 and 8, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3 and 6, he says, I am God and I change not. I want to say this today because I think this is important in light of the world in which we live and some of the things that are being preached and taught is that there is no such thing as cessation of the gifts of God. No, no such thing as a cessation of a baptism in the Holy Spirit or the gifts that the Apostle Paul talks about. Just men who have never tasted and have never seen. See, to take the supernatural out of the Bible is really to remove God from the Bible. He's always revealed himself through signs and wonders, whether it's Abraham, who had never even heard of God, being called and singled out and chosen, or Moses at that burning bush, 
or the apostle Paul being blinded at midday by bright and blinding light by the Lord Jesus Christ. He has always revealed himself from Genesis to Revelation through mighty signs, wonders, and miracles. In fact, your Bible tells you that our commission that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to us tells us in Mark chapter number 16, and these signs shall follow them that believe. How many are believers today? See, I believe, I believe. So one of the things that he's telling us is this is something that will follow you as a believer. So that tells me in itself that I am not to listen to anybody who tells me that these things are not for me today. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. So this word that he uses, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick. And when Jesus uses that, remember, he's given a commission to believers. That is to happen from from there until he comes and receives us unto himself. Somebody say, praise God. Amen. See, it's easy for someone to discount what they have never experienced. I can throw stones at it. I can curse it. I can speak against it. I can write books about it. But it's not going to change the fact that God said it and he meant it and he's the truth. And if I'm fighting against that, then I make myself a liar. Somebody say, yes, amen. I need those signs and wonders. I need to see his mighty hand move. In 2 Kings chapter number 2, we read the story of Elijah's ascension and Elisha's anointing. So Elijah, the Bible tells us, we read in our scripture text, is taken up by a whirlwind. Can you imagine that? That is a miracle. Here's a man that God has used in mighty signs and wonders. Dead people have been raised. Miracles have happened. He's called down fire upon Mount Carmel, and he's come to the end of his life now upon this earth. That doesn't mean he's dying because he doesn't die. He's taken alive. Somebody say he's taken alive. And so the Bible teaches us that a whirlwind comes and sweeps him away in horses and chariots of fire and catch him up into heaven. This is a type of the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, that when he goes up to heaven, that he gave gifts to men. Somebody say he has given gifts to us, and we need those gifts that he's given to us. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, the works that I have done shall you do also, and greater than these shall you do. Let's say that line again, greater than these shall you do. I've heard people, you know, do, 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 do all kinds of, uh, of sermons and, and talk about this particular scripture and try to disprove what Jesus is saying. But the very fact that Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do, you shall do greater than these because I go to my father. What's he saying to us? He said, look, whatever you've seen me do on this earth, the blind seeing, the lame walking, the dumb talking, casting out demons, walking on water, calming storms, and doing all of these things. He said, I want you to understand that if life demands the necessity, your God will work this for you. But we cannot panic in fear or draw back in unbelief. We must step forward in blind faith and believe that our God will meet us right there when there is a time for a miracle to take place. Somebody say, I believe. I believe. And so Jesus said, the works that I do, and people have tried to disprove this. Well, that is because it's going to be more in quantity. Well, certainly it would be more in quantity. 
But Jesus is talking about things that our eyes have never seen, that our times demand. Entire cities getting changed by the power of God. Society and culture being changed with a moving of the Holy Spirit. Dead people walking the streets and being raised like they were during Jesus' time. Somebody say amen. See, those things sound so far-fetched to us, but this is what Jesus is talking about when he tells us, the works that I do, you're going to do. Greater than these shall you do because I go to my Father. See, Jesus knew that sin would increase in the latter days and that darkness would cover the earth. Gross darkness, the people. He knew that we would need more power to reach the masses. Somebody say amen. So I want to tell you that this is not the hour of decrease. This is the hour of increase. Everybody say increase. It is not the day of decrease. It is the day of increase. It makes sense to me because if the Bible is telling me that before Christ comes that we're going to see evil on a level like we've never seen it before in the world in which we live, it has to be met with an anointing and power from God Almighty that surpasses anything in history. I like to tell people because I believe this, that every awakening and revival that there has ever been where God has stretched forth his hand of mighty signs and wonders... God is, going to, God is going to take from every one of those moves. He's going to take from them and bring them together in this final hour to pour out his spirit like we have never seen him poured out before. Somebody say hallelujah. He said the early and the latter rain will come together in the first month. He's talking about the rain that comes down to prepare for the harvest. But the Lord says, look, he said the early rains came. They came moderately. The latter rains came and the people were able to gather in harvest. But I'm sending you a rain of the Holy Ghost like you've never seen before with such power and such anointing that comes upon believers and begins to move upon them. And get this, when he talks about it in Joel chapter number two, he says it's for you and for your children, and for your children's children, and as many as the Lord your God shall call. He said, it's for every person that will believe me for this. And I want to say that you can live in dead deadness, but you can also live in the life of God's river and flow and move in the supernatural power of the living God. Somebody say hallelujah. So the impartation of Elisha was to enable him to stand strong against the darkness and the powers of hell that were in his nation. He was God's prophet. He was God's man, God's mouthpiece. So when God speaks to Elijah, listen to me, you got to catch this. When God speaks to Elijah, telling him that he's going to be taking him away. He gives him an assignment. He tells him three things. The first one, he said, I want you to go anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. Secondly, I want you to go anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, to be king over Israel. Then, thirdly, I want you to go anoint Elisha to be prophet in your stead. What is God saying? He said, I'm fed up with the idolatry and the darkness of hell that's ravaging my people, and I am going to do something about it. Somebody say amen. In 1 Kings, that's a good place to praise him right there. In 1 Kings chapter number 19, the Bible said, and it shall come to pass. 
He that escapes the sword of Hazael that he has told Elijah to go anoint shall Jehu slay. He also said go anoint Jehu, remember? And then he said, he that escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha the prophet slay. Listen to what's next. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. This has become sickening to God. But Elijah does not fulfill the first two things that God tells him to do. But focuses on the third, the anointing of Elisha. See, I, I don't believe that Elisha was willfully rebellious or wanted to disobey God's command to him to do the first two. But in reality, of him knowing his departure and the anointing of Elisha, he wanted him to be prepared for what God was bringing him into. He knew the battle that he had just fought himself against Jezebel and the prophets of Baal and the forces of witchcraft and demon worship. He understood the powers of hell that he had just wrestled with himself. He knew the pressure and the intensity of the attack that was against him and against the people of God, these forces of darkness. And so we're going to see this unfold this morning as we unpack these scriptures in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, And it came to pass when Jehovah would take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Everybody say number one. Gilgal means a circle. It also stands for mediocrity. It is a breakaway from the milk to the meat of God's word. It is a leaving of the comfort zone. It's the place of decision to let go of the past and go for God. In Joshua chapter 5, verse 9, it is the place that you forget Egypt, the old life. And then in verses 10 and 11 of our scripture text, we read that they had, we realized that they had depended upon the substance that God fed them with every day. Remember when he brought them out in Joshua chapter number five, that when he brought them out of Egyptian bondage, the Bible said that he fed them with manna, which is angel's food. God took care of them for 40 years in that wilderness. But the moment that they crossed over, everybody say, when they crossed over into the promised land, the Bible said that the manna ceased and that they ate of the fruit or the produce of the land. Somebody say glory to God. Mm -hmm. See, once you enter your inheritance, you have to live by your inheritance. And I want to say today that our inheritance in Jesus is big. We have inherited from him sonship. We belong to almighty God. We are supernatural individuals. We are called by his name. When the father looks down at us, you be reminded this morning of the fact that the demonic powers of darkness, that when they see you, they see you as sons and daughters of God and they fear who you are. Or greater than that, they fear that you will come alive to the God that is on the inside of you. And that you'll begin to operate on that level of authority and power through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. So when you become born again, you feed on the milk of the word. Is that right? But as we grow, we realize that we have an inheritance in Jesus of the meteor things of God. And we, we move into the greater power, into greater anointing of the Holy Ghost. 
See, Elijah knew that Elisha was not ready for what was ahead of him. Now, some of you Kaneo students, you're going to have to take notes because you ain't got some of this. Somebody say, this is good meat right here. Elijah knew that Elisha was not ready. And so Elijah was continually testing him. His first test was here at Gilgal. Leave all. Leave everything. So when Elijah anointed him to be prophet in his stead, the Bible said that he found him plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he comes and he casts his mantle upon him. And the Bible said that what he did was he took a yoke of oxen and he slew them and he take the implements and he burned them and he made a sacrifice and made a feast unto all of the hired hands that he had in his house. He burned up the past. He burned the bridges of today. Come on, somebody. He broke away from the past life. See, there was no going back for him. He said, look, he said, I know what this means. I know that my God has called me, and I want you to understand something. He didn't go to the seminary. He didn't run down to go find the latest guru that was out. He didn't go, he didn't go gather 25 books to read that somebody were talking about miracles. But the Bible said that he went after Elijah. He followed him. The only thing that he said, he said, let me take the time to kiss my mom and dad by. And he said, well, you do what you got to do. And so he threw that feast, the Bible said, and then he kissed his mom and dad by. See, we, we have to do the same thing as Christians. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, see, I'm talking about the day. Are we ready to reach the culture in which we live? Are we ready for this anointing that God is bringing to us? I know that we say that we do. There's a lot of young upstarts in the church that want to say, I know I'm ready. I can take this tiger by the tail. I'm going to whip that devil, but I'm going to tell you, some of us are not ready to walk out into a culture that is absolutely demonized by the powers of darkness and be ready to pull those strongholds down. And so God knew this. That's why he said, Elijah, go get him and anoint him. He's the one that I'm choosing. He's not in the school of the prophets with everybody else. Listen to me. But as Christians, we're to break from the old. We're new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We forsake the past, run to the present, and run into the future of Jesus Christ. We put our hand to the plow and do not look back. We follow Jesus and become the disciples that he wants us to be. The first thing that has to happen to us is that we say when we follow Christ, look, I want to be a son of God that is anointed by the Holy Ghost and fire. I want to see my God, the God of the Bible, come alive on the inside of me. I believe that if he said that I can do greater works, then I am not to measure myself by somebody who has not seen what the Bible says. I am going to let God touch me and God God use me the way that he wants to use me. Come on, somebody. See, that's what I saw when I was born again and I began to read the Bible and I said, my God, this is for me. This is Jesus talking to me. He's telling me that I can raise the dead, that I can heal the sick, that I can cast out devils, that I can see the miracles of God. He's telling me that I can see this. I'm not going to be encumbered by what somebody else's thoughts are or by what somebody else has written in the book. I'm going to say, my God is a God that surpasses everything. I'm believing he is the greater God and that he does greater things than I have ever anticipated or that I could ever dream of. And I want to be plugged into that God. Yeah. 
and I'm ready to forsake my past. I'm ready to cut it loose and follow after Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. And the Bible said that Elijah said to Elisha, well, tarry here, I pray thee, for Jehovah has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said, Elijah said, as Elisha said, as Jehovah liveth and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he went down to Bethel. Bethel means house of God. It's the place where Jacob sacrificed and proclaimed Jehovah as his God. It's the place that Jeroboam set up a golden calf and made all of Israel come out. And I want to read this scripture to you in 1 Kings 12 and 28 because we are paralleling this with, with the times in which we live. So the king, the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. He said to the people, it's too much for you to go all the way up to Jerusalem. Behold your God, your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one golden calf in Bethel and the other calf he put in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship each of them even as far as Dan. Where did the Bible say that God said to go worship? Jerusalem. Here's a man that is telling people, you had not got to go that far. I'm just going to make a golden calf. Remember what happened when Moses went up into the mountain to get those Ten Commandments and the Bible said that when he came back down that they were lewd and naked and dancing and having an orgy and they, had made, a, and they made a golden calf and were dancing around it? And Moses came down and was angered and broke those tablets. Do you, do you remember the story? Because they were saying, these are the gods that have delivered you from Egypt. I'm going to tell you one thing. There's not but one God that can deliver and he's not a hunk of brass, honey. He's a living God. He is a living God. Uh Uh-huh. Verse 31, Jeroboam also made houses on high places and made priests of the people who were not Levites. It is the place that the people had given themselves over to idolatry. I want you to get this in Bethel, what's happening here. It is the place where people had given themselves over to idolatry because of what Jeroboam had done here. And so they came. Can you imagine these people? are willing in a split second of time because a false preacher got up and told them that you don't have to go to Jerusalem. That's too far for you to go. I'm going to make it a little easier for you. Uh Uh-oh. Don't make me come down there. I'm going to make it just a little bit easier for you. You're not going to have to pray. You're not going to have to do a sacrifice. All you got to do is show up and kiss Baal. If you want to, you can sacrifice your children in the fire for your convenience. Come on. Can you imagine a nation that's seen all of these mighty signs and wonders now all of a sudden because there is a false prophet and there is a wicked king by the name of Jeroboam that just changes things. He rips up the word. Do not presidents and emperors and rulers of the day rip up the Bible and throw it to the side and say, you don't need that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. That, that is nothing more than bully religion. 
No, I'm going to tell you what bullying is. Bullying is when you want to tell me that my God is a false God and you want me to believe in something that will send me to hell and you want me to believe in something that's not going to prosper me but that's going to curse me and that's going to ruin my nation and going to ruin me. It's time for some Christians to stand up and begin to be a voice for God in the world in which we live. And say, I'm not bowing to Baal and I'm not kissing him. Listen, the city had been so overtaken by wickedness and idolatry, the people had begun to mock God and begin to scoff at him. The parents had lost a whole young generation given over to skepticism. They had become scoffers and mockers, told that idols were their deliverers and not God of the Bible. Now keep in mind, let me keep in mind this all happened in the middle of where there were 50 prophets headquartered in Bethel. Uh-oh. Hey, come on somebody. Have you heard the latest prophecy? Can you prophesy something to me? Have you have you went and bought the, the latest book that can tell you how to get it overnight? Come on. Have you come in contact with guru so-and-so? Have you seen the fire and the anointing of God? Have you watched the latest program on TV where God is doing these things to this individual? Let me tell you something. I've seen a lot of people get up and fanfare come and people chase after people that were living in adultery, that were blasphemers. Come on, somebody. That were homosexual, that were lesbian. I've seen people that were supposed to be fathers of the faith get up and sanction them and lay hands on them in front of thousands of people without even understanding or praying and fasting until God spoke to them that they should set forth these individuals. Somebody look at somebody and say, man, you gotta be careful. See, it's important because Elijah's saying, look, I know what I just faced. I know the hell that came against me. I know Jezebel was chasing after my life. She wanted me dead. We're living in a culture right now where, where, it, where in America, Christianity is becoming a hated religion. Where true believers are considered terrorists. We're living in a time where we're in that disfavor with man. And I'm going to tell you right now, living in the midst of this witchcraft and sorcery and demonism and the powers of darkness is not fun because you got to pray and you have to fast and you have to stand against the evil. The thing is this, is that Elijah knew Elisha was not ready for what was ahead of him and he was grooming him and mentoring him. He's saying to himself, he forgot about Jehu. He forgot about Haziel. He said, it's more important to me that I hone this young man and mentor him and show him the ways and the moving of the spirit because everybody knows about the works of God but nobody knows about the ways of God. Mm-hmm. Woo, somebody says good preaching, Pastor. Listen. Fifty prophets were headquartered in Bethel. But they were more eager to prophesy to each other. Oh, did you just hear what Elijah did? Have you just got a hold of the Jerusalem charismatic newspaper? All the fanfares between them. They had lost the, the, the vision of the purpose for which they were founded. They were founded to destroy the powers of darkness in their culture, but they had fallen prey by seducing spirits and became powerless and ineffective in their community. Fifty of them should have been able to shake that nation.
passion for the glory of God. Listen. You see, they were there studying, being trained in the things of God. But they had been unable to affect their society. Bethel represents our, our evil society and what it has become. Our society has become one of mockery and scoffing of everything that is holy and righteous. All you got to do is tune in to Saturday Night Live and they're going to blaspheme Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something else. You could turn into Gutfield and you'll see them blaspheme Jesus. It's dangerous. It's amazing to me that they can do that and not even understand what they're doing. Somebody's look at somebody and say, gross darkness is upon the people. Wow. Our society has removed God and embraced lawlessness. Absolute lawlessness. Millions have crossed our border under the guise of a lie that a man on the first day of his presidency undone with the stroke of a pen by executive order the protection of our border that the previous president had signed into being and built a wall. And did you know right now that he has the executive power to sign that back into existence and to reverse what he'd done? And they want you to believe that they have to have Congress and Senate to back it up. That's hogwash. The same man that reversed it can put it back. All he's got to do is to sign it. Don't fall for the lies of darkness and deception and, de and seduction that are out there. Say so they were given over to perversion, homosexuality, sensuality, idolatry. Elijah says to Elisha right here in Bethel, he's telling him, stay here. You see the need, the sin, the debauchery, the society that has gone mad and crazy. Why don't you stay right here and make the difference in Bethel? They need revival. They need an awakening right here in Bethel. Why not put your roots down right here, Elisha, and make the difference? You see, Elisha, when Elijah is talking to him, he's probably remembering some things being stirred up in the spirit, and he is remembering another prophet that had been in that area, that prophet being sent by God, and listen, to prophesy against the altar that Jeroboam had erected. In 1 Kings chapter 13, this prophet that God sends, unnamed, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar there in Bethel to burn incense to Baal. And he cried against the altar. The man of God did the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burn incense upon thee. And men's bones shall be burned upon you. And he gave a sign the same day saying this, this is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, this altar right here in Bethel will be rent in pieces and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it will come to pass when, and it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar saying, lay hold on him. And his hand was dried up. The king, wicked old king's hand dried up. Can you imagine this? So that he could not pull it back to his body again. 
The altar also was rent, just like the man of God said, and the ashes were poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of God for me and pray that he will heal my hand. Now listen. The man of God besought the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him again. It became as it was before. And the king said to him, this wicked king, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. And the man of God said to the king, if you would give me half of your house, I will not go with you. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, drink no water, and do not even turn again by the same way that you came into this city. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came. Now get this. So here he is. See, Elijah knows Elisha's not ready. Elisha is being stirred in his thoughts now, and he's thinking. After this prophet does this with Jeroboam, the Bible said that there was an old prophet that lived in the city and that his sons came and told him what, what, what that prophet had done, how the altar was rent and how the, the ashes were spilled out and about the king's hand being withered and those things. And his sons came and told him about it. And the old prophet went and he sat under a tree. He inquired of his sons, well, you know, where is he at? What's he doing? And so this old prophet went to try to find this man of God. And then in verse 3, he, he said to his sons, saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass and he rode on it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, art thou the man of God that came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, come with me. Eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place, in Bethel. Because it's polluted. It's cursed. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread nor drink no water there, nor turn again to go by the way that you came. And he said unto me, I am a prophet as well. It's the old man speaking to him. I'm a prophet too, as you are. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring this young prophet back into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But the old prophet lied to him. Did you hear that? Some people are jealous of you. If God tells you something, you don't have to go back and question it. And if someone tells you something and tries to trump what God says, don't obey it. Obey God's word. Listen to Jesus. Somebody say, listen to Jesus. If it's not backed up by the more sure word, then you don't need another word. Somebody say, amen. Amen. He lied to him. So he went back with him, and he did eat bread in his house, and he did drink water. And it came to pass that he ate at his table that the word of the Lord came to this old prophet that brought him back to his house. And he cried to the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as you have disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but came back and you've ate bread and you drank water in this place in which the Lord said not to do it. You've ate bread and drank, that you were to eat no bread and drink no water. Your carcass shall not come into the sepulcher of your fathers. It was rough. Now listen. And it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk and saddled up the ass that he went that to wit for the prophet to whom he had brought back 
that when he left, the Bible said that a lion met him and ate him. Wow. Look at somebody say, if God speaks to you, obey it. Amen. See, Elisha was remembering. What was Elisha doing? Elisha was realizing. He said, I'm not ready for what's ahead of me. He said that young prophet was seduced by the times. He had been under the sway of that spirit that had been ministering to him. He didn't have enough discernment to discern that this prophet was under a lying spirit and may have been jealous of his own call. And it cost him his life because the devil ate him alive. Somebody say, oh, this is important. See, the young prophet was not seasoned like the old prophet. Mm-hmm. That prophet didn't have what it took. Somebody say he didn't have what it took. Mm-hmm. He didn't have what was needed to pull down the strongholds that were in the land. See, it's important for me to understand today and us alone that the church is not here. The church is not here for us to look at one another and admire one another's giftings or to get caught up in the fanfare of the times because there's a lot of that hoopla that goes around. The church is put here to, to do what? Prevail against the gates of hell, to put underfoot every demonic power and strategy and purpose of the enemy and, the, and to be salt and earth that changes society. Somebody say praise God. Amen. See, Elijah wanted to make sure that Elisha was ready for what he was going to face. He wanted Elisha to be ready to shake the nations and the cities and to pull down the strongholds. And how many understand today, we need the greater work of the Holy Spirit in us before that we can take the city for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Strategies alone do not work. It's his word that makes the difference. We can strategize. We can read books. We can come up with formulas. My God, there's people that have built churches and raised them up in the thousands of people that go by man-made formulas. You can do that. We can do it. But if the Holy Ghost can't build it, it'll, they'll run like rats when the demons of powers of hell show up. We need to be built on the rock Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God, that when we walk, it sounds like earthquakes in the sand. That when we speak, it sounds like thunder in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. See, God had sent prophets. He had warned them. But the city was taken in idolatry. Many that were sent had become victims of the culture spirits. And Elisha, Elisha represents that remnant that says... That's you and me, the remnant that says, I am not going to do anything until I have a double portion of the Holy Ghost upon my life because I understand that those spirits that I'm going to be facing in culture, <laughs> that they are strong and that they're formidable enemies and many have fallen by the wayside in the past. But I look at my, I look at my predecessor, Elijah, great man of God that has stood the test of time. I look at him and I hear his voice speaking to me and I understand that if he's anointed me to be, to be the prophet in his stead that I'm going to have to have more than he had to face the generation that is ahead of me. He had the anointing for his time. I need an anointing for my time. And the third thing is 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 4 and Elijah said to him, tarry here. I pray for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as I live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Jericho means pleasant place. 
Elijah and Elisha, when they entered Jericho, get this, they found barrenness, deadness, emptiness, no green pastures, no fruit trees, no green trees. Everything had dried up. There was a poisonous stream that ran through Jericho at that time. The Bible says in Joshua 6.25 that the city, which is Jericho, had been cursed by Joshua. In 2 Kings 2.19, bad water caused the land to be unfruitful. Are you listening to me? This represents the dead barren church in the last days. It is Sardis in the revelation. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead, Jesus says. The amazing thing, now get this again. The amazing thing is that there was a school of prophets there that said to Elisha, <laughs> don't you know that your master's going to be taken away from you today? And he said, shut up. These young upstarts wanted to come and let him say, hey man, we got some inside information on you, bub. Your master's going to be taken away from you today. Elisha was comfortable enough in his calling to understand God didn't have Elijah to cast his mantle on you. God had him cast that mantle upon me. I'm chosen for this. And I don't know what you're chosen for other than to look at one another and kiss each other's gains. See, these young men, these prophetic upstarts, they, they knew their theology, they knew their history, they knew about the past moves, they, had, they knew about past revivals, they could tell you the names and the dates and the places, they knew about Elijah's miracles and all these things. And so Elijah says to Elisha here in Jericho, stay right here, teach these young prophets, hang out with them, settle down with them. You see, but Elisha knew that if he stayed there, that all that they would end up doing would be talking about Elijah's miracles of the past. Oh yeah, I saw the, I, I, I saw him call the fire down. I, I was there when he we know when he when he came against those forces. I was there when he raised the dead. I was there when he did all these mighty works, and they're measuring each other by these things. Now listen. See, Elisha knew that if he was going to be ready for the office that God had called him to and to stand in it, that he was going to have to have a double portion of what Elijah had. He was going to have to have his own miracles, his own signs, his own wonders in his life. He was going to have to have his own experience with God and know the ways and the moving of the Spirit of God. Jericho also stands for warfare. It is in the vicinity of Jericho that Jesus met Satan in the wilderness temptation. Does anybody remember that? And so Jericho is where you make that permanent decision to break away from yesterday's failures. Yesterday's lack. Yesterday's wish-I-hads. Yesterday's powerless Christianity or mere talk, mere talk without power. And step into the double portion. Somebody say, I need it. And so finally we come to the fourth thing in 2 Kings chapter 2. And Elisha says to him, I pray that you stay here for the Lord has called me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave 
And the Bible said that they went on together. By this time, Elijah knew that Elisha was getting something. And then the Bible says that as they're there and as they're going on, that 50 of the sons of the prophets went and stood afar off and viewed what was going on. See, you're always going to have bystanders, wannabes. They're going to want to watch and see if they can, if that, that if you're missing it somewhere, that they think that you're missing it somewhere so that they can say, I'm greater than that. Look, if you get the anointing according to the way God wants it in your life, you'll be doing good. Amen. And he wants a lot of it on you. Jordan is the place where of spiritual sight and gifts. This is what this is telling us. It's the place where you see the supernatural. Verse number eight. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and he smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither so that they went over on dry ground. Why does Elijah, he didn't have to work this miracle right here. He didn't have to do this. He did it for a reason. It's one of his final acts, if you pay attention to what's going on here. He's standing there. Elisha's looking at him with great anticipation. As he's wrapped that mantle together, and that water is divided. And they go across together on dry ground. And Elisha is probably thinking to himself, why is he doing this? I'd want to know. In verse number nine, when it came to pass when they were going over that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I will, shall do for you before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, I pray, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Verse number 10. And he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken away from thee, it shall be unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Now you got to get this because this is really important. This miracle is in Elisha's mind. He's standing there. They've just crossed the Jordan on dry ground. The big question has finally been asked, and Elijah says, look, I know that if I'm going to change culture, if I'm going to pull down demonic strongholds, if I'm going to see a nation turn back to God Almighty, if I'm going to see the hand of the Lord move in kings' lives, I'm going to have to have a whole lot more than you had, Elijah, and I'm asking for a double portion right here. The words in this particular scripture, the words that, he, that they use when I am taken are italicized. That means that they're not in there. They're not in, the, they're not, they're not in that uh, version. They're not there. Because to be italicized, that means that they were added. And so this has been corrected in the revised edition. The literal translation is this. When you see me, as gone. I let that sink down deep. I did. I, have to, I had to let that sink way down deep. When you see me as gone, listen. Elijah, Elisha, you cannot build me memorials, build schools in my name, build colleges in my name. 
You cannot leave foundations in my name. He said, you, if you see me as gone, because my name doesn't change anything. My name doesn't shake hell's powers. My name does not pull down the strongholds of darkness. My name does not cause the enemy to flee. You must be reminded that it is the anointing in my life that hell fears. It is the word of God that is in me that I speak as a prophet that changes society, that rearranges the social climate of the times and brings down Baal strongholds. Get this, my God. When you see me as gone, He's telling them, he said, about all these memorials. He said, this is not what this is about. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ does not want us building memorials in his stead. He said, there's just one thing I want you to do. That's Holy Communion to remember what I did when I was on this earth. Go to the upper room and get baptized in fire. Receive power and anointing. See me as gone. Get this. See, he wanted Elisha to go Farther, reach higher, do mightier, plan bigger, stand stronger, do greater. Somebody say amen. He wanted him to do double what he did on this earth. He said, son, I've already wrestled with Jezebel and Leviathan and the powers of hell, and I want you to know I've hung out in the cave and had to get recuperated from all the battle scars of hell that came against me. He said, it's getting darker, darker in the world, darker in the earth, darker in the last days. And I can hear Jesus saying the same thing that Elijah was telling Elisha, you have to see me as gone. Say, my God, I've got to step in in this place and fill up the gap. I've got to be the prophet for right now. I have to be the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, the worker in the church, the Sunday school teacher. I've got to be the musician. I have to be the singer. I've got to have a double portion. God use me right now. I can't draw back. I've got to see him as gone. I can't be depending on him to call down fire on the prophets of Baal. I can't be depending on the things of the past. I've got to say, God, it's me standing right now in need in this hour, and I'm standing with a deficit, and I need an overflowing and a double portion of the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. Come on, somebody. Light my fire, God. Pour your oil upon me and strike your match to me. Burn on the inside of me, God. Touch my life. See, our cities are being ravaged. They're being burned with fire. Our, our children are suffering from lewdness and homosexuality. Transgenderism is like waves that are coming over this society. It's amazing to me that drag queens, you think about this stuff. We, church, need an anointing that can burn through the strongholds, an anointing of the Holy Ghost that is for this hour, for this time, for this day, for my life, my God, for this house. Touch us, Jesus. 
And the devil would have us looking at our own problems and looking introspectively at all the junk that goes on because he wants to occupy your time with your problem, with your difficulty, with your shame, with your barrenness. But hear me, church. He said, if you will seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, I will add unto you everything else that you need. What's he talking about? I'll save your family. I'll put your marriage back together. I'll bless you financially. I'll raise you up. But if you'll seek me first, that's what's going to happen. You've got to put me first. We have to understand that the church is here right now in need of a double portion. Do you believe or think that when Jesus Christ went into heaven and ascended on that day, when they were looking to them, the angels looked at him. They rebuked him, actually. Why in the world are you standing here gazing? Some of us are still gazing. Oh, my God, I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Peter. Oh, I want to be like that charismatic leader. I want the Holy Ghost. I want him according to the measure of this day. I want the world to begin to say, I've never seen nothing like that before. Where did that come from? How did that happen? Let's set a generation free in Jesus' name. My God. See, I have enough sense to know I've been there. I've seen it. We want to see people pop out of the wheelchair, the blinded eye open, the person healed of cancer. We want to see God move. And I ask myself, God, where are you at? You're the God of the Bible, the God of the supernatural. Where are you at? He said, if you'll get a measure of hunger for me like that, like you need in your life, you will see the heavens open like they've never been opened before. And my spirit poured out in a measure that you've never seen it before. My God. Elijah felt like he had brought Elisha to the place that he was ready to receive the double portion. See, when God says, and listen, we're not the lone wolf. We're not the lone ranger. We're not an island. If he said, under that time of darkness, I have reserved 7,000 that have never bowed the knee to Baal, that have not kissed his image. What is the image of Baal in this hour? What are we kissing? Oh, hear me. We kiss our favorite preacher. We kiss our favorite television program. Anything can become idolatry. We need to start kissing the feet of Jesus. We need to start kissing the cross of Christ. We need to start kissing the Holy Ghost. We need to start embracing God and love him with everything within us and say, God, God, if this generation is going to have this blindness broken from their hearts, we need a double portion. We need a double portion. I want you to stand with me. Jennifer, come on up. A double portion. Listen. You got to see him as gone. You got to see him as gone. You're not dependent on nothing but him. Can't pick up the phone. Dial 777. Jesus, Jesus. 
The Holy Spirit is present right now. What do you need? You want that double portion? You want that double portion? You want that double portion? Listen, listen. My God. See, one of the things that, that, that he's telling us and that he said, look, he said, I don't want you to always talk about what happened to somebody else's life for that to be your faith point in me. The apostle Paul said that himself. He said, look, I'm not saying or bragging or saying anything that anybody else did. And, and I'm going to talk about what God has did through me. And I want to boast a little this morning. I've seen God create the eardrum of people were born without eardrums. I've seen the limbs grow out several inches. I've seen the incurable diseases of a little 12-year-old boy that they said would never, ever play sports come back from Florida in our church and testify how that when we prayed for him that God healed him and the doctors verified it. I've seen the dead raised when a man died in my service and I over screamed at the devil called commanded death to come out of him and the man came back to life again. I've seen blinded eyes see tumors disappear right before my eyes. I've seen entire congregations get up and run to the altar at altar calls. I've seen the drug addict set free. I've seen the depressed, the suicidal that had tried to commit suicide three occasions. Asphyxiation and overdoses. Saw just writing on a, God said, write it down on a legal pad. I wrote the scriptures down. And around one o'clock in the morning, seven devils came out of this girl. The next time I saw her, I didn't recognize her. She did not even look like the same individual. Hmm. I saw him come out of a wheelchair and push the wheelchair around the church. Somebody said, hey, you know, I, I, so I'm see, I'm boasting a little this morning. That's what I'm telling you. I want that God that does that to show up again. I'm telling you, for right now, in this hour, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to show up. And for God to show himself alive to this generation. Amen. I'm saying, God, wherever the houses of ill repute are, wherever the prostitutes are, wherever the drug deals are going down, I ask for the Holy Ghost fire to fall. I want conviction for the God that will grip them when they drive down the highway. My wife's sitting there. That's how it happened for her. She was with some people. The, the car was going by the church. She made them stop it. She ran inside, gave her heart to Jesus. Don't tell me he can't do it. I said, don't you tell me he can't do it. Man, I want the fire. I remember sitting in church. Nobody had to beg me to come. I said, Bob, just give the altar call. I know what I want. I know what I need. And I started going after, praying and fasting and crying out to God. I said, I want that for this generation. I want to see you move. The God of the Bible, the one that they say the cessation of all that you do. I want the God of the Bible, the God that lives and breathes, the God that heals, the God that delivers to show up and do his mighty works in Jesus' name. Straighten out the limbs. Straighten out the lives. That's all it takes. It's for Jesus to show up. So I'm asking you this morning, do you want a double portion? Or do you think a double portion is enough for this hour? And I'm going to tell you, don't ask God for what Elisha had. He's gone. 
Don't ask God for what Elijah had. Don't ask God for what Paul had. Don't ask God for what anybody in that Bible had. Ask God for what Jesus gave to us 2,000 years ago, the baptism of the Holy Ghost for this hour, for this day, for this time, for the need that we have to see this culture changed in Jesus' name. And when you get down here, lift your hands up like lightning rods and begin to cry out to God and say, God, change me. Change my life. Pour out your spirit upon me, Jesus. Touch me. Fill me up. Overflow me, God. God, I want to be changed today. I didn't hear this message, Lord, by happenstance or coincidence. I'm hearing it because you want to fill me up. You want to overflow my life, God. I want to be changed. I want my children saved. I want my children's children saved. I want the handmaids and the servants changed. I want the power of fire of God to fall upon your people, Father, in Jesus' name. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Reach down deep. Reach down deep. Hey, shatanababo sorabahataya. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 